Good morning, church. There are, um, y'all sound really good this morning. I'm just, just, I'm so happy right now. You know, there's a handful of people who are truly outstanding. People who, who are just above the rest in whatever their domain is, you know. These are the household names. Um, okay, so like, let's just say, if I said, uh, name a faint- famous painter. Picasso. Yep. Uh, I had at least four people say Picasso, right? Uh, name a famous scientist. Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein. <laughs> Why are we all picking the same scientist? Uh, name a famous guitar player. Van Halen, interesting. I thought I was going to get Jimi Hendrix. Chet Atkins, there you go. I noticed nobody said Pastor Mike. Name a famous golfer. You know, Picasso, Einstein, Hendrix. Woods. Not all of you thought of those names, but I bet you every one of you knows who those people are. Am I right? To reach that level of recognition based on your accomplishments, you got to be very, very good. Good enough for people to consider you one of the all-time greats. That's a, that's a term these days, right? The GOAT. What is the goat? Greatest of, all time. Greatest of all time. Seems like a weird compliment. <laughs> People have been arguing over who the greatest of all time has been for a long time. Fans and enthusiasts of, of whatever, they love to argue about who the greatest of all time is. There are endless debates as to whether uh, Michael Jordan is the greatest, or maybe LeBron James. It's Jordan. (laughs) Bruce Lee, or Chuck Norris. Captain Kirk, Captain Picard. You get the idea. People love to argue over who the goat is. But when it comes to prophets in the Old Testament, There is no contest. The undisputed greatest of all time was Moses. Look, Elijah was great. I know you like Elijah. Elisha did some really cool miracles. Very cool guy. Isaiah and Jeremiah, very prolific, right? They take up a lot of your Old Testament space. But man, nobody can hold a candle to Moses. Moses is the only guy who, who had regular face-to-face chats with God. He would go into the tent of meeting, and then he, when he came out, his face would literally glow with divine radiance. This doesn't mean he was smiling. He was glowing. People freaked out and said, cover that up. We're uncomfortable with this right now. God gave Moses 
handwritten notes, right? Those first 10 commandments, God wrote with his own finger and gave it to Moses. Moses and God had a level of closeness and open communication that would be unmatched at least for hundreds of years. But Moses had a problem, more than one, but he had one big problem. He was mortal. He died, right? He couldn't be the forever go-between of God and man. That's what he was, though, you know. Um, when, when God wanted to speak to Israel, he did. If you're listening to uh, the reading today, you'll hear um, God recall this event. They heard the voice of God. They saw the fire, and they said, that's too much. We don't want that. Can we just have somebody stand in between us? And so, yeah, Moses had that job. He stood in between God and the people. And so he was, for the people, the voice of God. And then also, in a, in a very real way, he was, for God, the voice of the people. Nobody ever really did this again. Not like this. Prophets often gave a message from God. But it wasn't, it wasn't like this. So, you know, as you're reading through Deuteronomy, as, as you do, we are getting laws and laws and laws for chapters. And then pretty much in the, almost in the dead middle of the time that God's dictating the laws to Moses, we read what we read earlier today. The Lord your God will raise up for you Israel, will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses, from among you, from your brothers. Well, that would be comforting, right? Moses won't make it forever, but a replacement will come, right? Except that the prophet like that never, never arose. There were a lot of prophets, but none of them like Moses. There was nobody who could look God full in the face and not die, there was nobody who would shine with divine radiance after meeting with God. There was nobody who would be the voice of God to the people and also the voice of the people to God and also the judge of, of what is right, right? And, and also the ruler of the people on top of it all. And even though Moses was the undisputed goat, he didn't get to finish the job. You know, he, he, he led the people out of slavery in Egypt into the wilderness. He gave them the law of God and, and brought them into a covenant with God. He climbed a mountain and looked over and saw the promised land, but he never got to go. He never got to lead the people there. Over the centuries, devout, devout people studied those words of Moses. They, they learned them. They, they took them to heart. 
They developed interpretations of them. And then they debated those interpretations. And somehow, over the centuries of careful and heartfelt and studious commitment to those words, they weren't getting closer to understanding them or living them. In fact, as time went on, it seems that the people tended to drift farther and farther away from the heart of God, even as they grew more and more sophisticated in their teachings about the words of Moses. And, and, and where is Moses to fix it? Moses wasn't there to pull him back on course. What the people needed was a prophet who could speak again. They needed a prophet with all the authority of Moses who could hear their questions and watch their actions and speak the truth of God into their lives in a dynamic and living way, not just as a written record, you know? That's what God had promised to Moses when he said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Were those words about Joshua who came after Moses? Not really. Elijah, Isaiah, who were those words about? It's church. Take a guess. <laughs> Those were words about Jesus. And, and here's the thing. Jesus himself makes that clear. Uh, John 14, 10, Jesus says, The words that I say, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. John 5, 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And then again in verse 46, if you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. Jesus is the promised one who speaks God's word. So if that's the case, then why did he have such a hard time with the teachers of the law and the Bible experts of that day? Shouldn't they have welcomed God's word? Well, the problem is they were unteachable. They thought they had mastered the word of God. But that's not how it works. You don't master the word of God. Over time, what happens is the word of God masters you. So what if Moses wasn't around to clarify the law to them? They had something better than Moses. They had the word of God not delivered by a man. They had the word of God in the flesh speaking in their midst. Jesus of Nazareth spoke with the voice of God with an authority that surpassed Moses because he was, in fact, the thing that Moses would 
wrote about. Jesus wasn't just the law giver. He was the one who fulfilled the law with his life. If you wanted to understand the will of God, you could try parsing and interpreting and debating the words of Moses. But what would be much better would be to just watch and listen to Jesus. That's where the will of God is made known. That's where the law is fulfilled. That is where it is clear. And Jesus came to speak that word of God in a way that surpasses what Moses was able to do. But here's the thing that, that makes Jesus even that much more superior to Moses. He's not dead, and he's not done speaking. Now, just like Jesus didn't change the law, he just opened it up so people could see. Jesus is still speaking today in a way that doesn't contradict what came before. But he's going to help you understand where God is leading you. He's here to help guide you through those questions. He's here to help cut away your wrong interpretations and your wrong assumptions and all the stuff that you built on top of God's word and bring you back to what God actually said and meant and desires for you. I don't know what the second greatest of all time is called. Scoat. <laughs> Moses was great. But Jesus is the greatest. And for my sake, don't call him a goat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that when you sent your son to be with us, you sent the word incarnate. You sent the word speaking to us, opening up your will to us, opening up your heart to us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would make us people who listen when he speaks. As he stands between us and you, as he is your voice to us and our voice to you, Lord, open our ears to hear what he has to say. Open our hearts to speak to him what is on our hearts. And Lord, he has surpassed Moses in every way. We have seen the divine light of heaven shine in his face. He has come and is coming again to be our judge. And he is our ruler and king. He's our leader. Heavenly Father, during this busy, busy Christmas season, we pray that we would not that we would not be so preoccupied with all of our own stuff and all of our own thoughts and feelings that we would miss out how he's speaking to us. Thank you that you're still speaking today. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.